I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Mitchell. How are you? I'm great. It's cold outside. It's so cold. It's freezing. It's below freezing. Yes, we could just keep going back. You say something and then we're like, it is. It is. Correct. (laughs) Well, um, so once again, it is not the day after Sunday. Correct. Um, I'm actually beginning to wonder if we should have named this podcast something different. But uh, yesterday, the true day after Sunday, I was um, at Perkins helping lead worship for the Perkins Fall Convocation. And Rick Steves. It was a lot of fun. I actually didn't get to meet Rick Steves, unfortunately. Yeah. but but worship was a lot of fun. It was really That's awesome. yeah, it was really dynamic and Did you know who Rick Steves was before you showed up? I had to Google him. Oh my gosh, Rebecca. I know. I know. Rick Steves is awesome. Just, I'm under a bubble. Under a bubble? Under a rock. Under a rock. In, in a, a bubble. bubble. A rocky bubble. Rick a bu- Steves is the rock. best. Yeah. I love his stuff, especially when he's in Europe. He loves Europe. And yeah, isn't that Rick isn't Steve's that his Instagram handle is like Rick Steves Europe? Like that's what it is right now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't follow him on Instagram. Um, but you can follow the church on Instagram at White Rock UMC. That's true. Yes, you, you can listen. You can also to, follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Facebook where you'll find uh, worship for Sunday. Our pastoral intern, Reverend Christina Roth, preached. So you can watch the whole worship service on our Facebook page. Or you can catch Christina's sermon on On this this podcast channel. Yeah. So we started a new series Mm -hmm. um, yesterday called A Necessary Shift. And if you don't say that carefully enough, it sounds like an unnecessary shift, which is the opposite. Or other words. Or other words that aren't shift. A necessary shift. Right. Yes. So what, I mean, what's behind that? What what are we actually trying to get into for this series? Well, we've, we've been thinking about... Um, change and vulnerability and what that means for us as a church. How are we going to move forward? If you are listening to this podcast, chances are you understand what's happening within the United Methodist Church and the denomination. If you are not familiar with that, just a quick Google search will tell you all you need to know. Uh, So it's a tense time within the denomination as we uh, head towards um, separating and kind of splitting in the denomination around LGBTQ plus folks and including them in the full life of the church. Um, And we have a big wedding policy vote on Sunday night where we're uh, with the leadership team has put forward uh, a policy change that would allow for LGBTQ folk to be married in our church and support clergy who decide to do those weddings. That's a big shift for us. It's a big change as a church as we, I think for the first time in our history, um, resist uh, some aspects of the Book of Discipline. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to create a series that was um, that gave us a little bit of courage, but also reminded us, reminded us that change is uh, necessary, that you have to change or die, mm-hmm. and that uh, change for us as a people of faith is not based off of how we're feeling or what great ideas we have, but change... Um, for the church is guided and driven by the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so 
God is actively at work in the world, and um, we're trying to discern what that means for us as a church and how we're going to move forward uh, to fully welcome all of God's children in our church. Mm. And we also, when we were designing this worship series um, a couple months ago now, we gathered as a staff off campus and spent a few days worship designing. And one of, uh, I think for a lot of us on staff, one of the writers that's been pretty influential is Brene Brown. Right. And her work with vulnerability and shame and courage and how right. all those things go together. Um, even when it's uncomfortable, especially Correct. when it's uncomfortable. Correct. That really drew us to, to her, especially in the fall where we have um, change in nature as well. You know, it, mm -hmm. all, it seems like we're getting back into the school schedule and the leaves are changing and the weather's crazy and it right. seems like everything's changing. And so right. grounding us in a way to approach that not with fear, but with courage and vulnerability. Correct, yeah. And and I think that being vulnerable in the midst of change is the hardest part because we just kind of clench up and we try so desperately to like preserve what we know and what seems familiar and what works and what feels like it's working. And change is just, um, it pushes us into these vulnerable spaces where we have to uh, be okay with uncertainty mm. and we have to be okay not agreeing with where we're headed. Yeah. And I think that's across the board. Sure. Like, change is going to happen to us, and this is what Christina, I think, did a really good job at in her sermon. Like, change is going to happen to us. Yeah. That doesn't mean that um, we always have to like it <laughs> <laughs> or that we have, to, um, we have to be comfortable with it immediately. But we have, um, we have agency over how we react to it and how we... Um, lean into our community and right. turn to God with it, you know? Right, exactly. So our, the theme for this first week was kind of, kind of splitting it up into sort of two categories of change where you really don't have agency, where something happens to you. And then later in the series, we'll talk about change when you choose it actively. So you pursue mm -hmm. a new project or you enter into recovery or any kinds of, you know, very conscious um, choices. But this past week we were talking about really the, the change that, that, knocks us off our feet, you know, right. knocks us flat. And um, the offertory is, uh, was, was something that spoke to that too. The offertory was a song called On Love um, by Jennifer Knapp. Right. Did you grow up listening to Jennifer Knapp at all? No, I didn't grow up listening to a lot of Christian music, which is strange uh, as a preacher's kid, I guess. Uh, you know, I listened to DC Talk and Jars of Clay and Newsboys and uh, Switchfoot. And, uh, but I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of Jennifer Knapp. Um, my mom had an Amy Grant vinyl that sometimes yeah. got played. I think Amy Grant went to my college. And sure my that. parents uh, went through a big Rich Mullins fan, uh, mm, phase, sure. so I listened to a lot of Rich Mullins. But I'm, I, I know Jennifer Knapp uh, well enough, and I, I know her story, um, and it's a powerful one if we yeah. get to a place where we really – I uh, want to talk about change and vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Knapp's uh, story is, is – is really that right yeah so just a quick overview um she was a pretty big name in uh ccm in contemporary christian music and was well loved um as a female loved uh, by many yeah. loved by many and then she i don't remember the year exactly but she came out um and was promptly rejected by most of her friends most of her supporters and fans and colleagues um and yeah, like you said, talk about vulnerability. Talk about, like, the community that you hoped would support you um, not showing up. And when right. she 
she took a little bit of a break from music, and when she came back, um, her style had changed. She yeah. had she had become more vulnerable, more um, raw sounding yeah. in her music. And this song on love, um, like I said to the congregation, you know, I I try most of the time to let the music that I choose sort mm-hmm. of speak for itself. But I really felt like this needed a little bit of an introduction mm-hmm. um, because it is different. Most of our music is from the perspective of humans talking to God. Right. And this one, um, I really heard at least that it was God talking to us, that right. it was God calling us beloved and saying, um, no matter what has happened in your life, I'm here loving you. You don't have to arrive at any particular spot. You don't have to right. um, say the right things. It felt I, that, am, I am here already. Yeah, it felt, uh, one, it felt um, in some ways a, a kindred song to uh, Mark Miller's stuff mm-hmm. um, because it and it was really Wesleyan if we if we're honest about Jennifer Knapp's song on love it's it's incredibly Wesleyan because it, I think it's a great example of prevenient grace yeah. it's um, prevenient grace this idea that before we're even aware of who God is right. um, that God's love is already present in our life yeah um, and I think that that's such a powerful um, Countercultural concept. Mm. We live in a world where we're always trying to gain or to earn respect, love, influence, power, um, and prevenient grace is this countercultural thing where before we didn't do anything to deserve God's love. In fact, we're not even aware of what love is before, uh, right? Mm. And God loves us, and yeah. and that's just. I think it's one of the things that I love about being Methodist is that we are just so saturated in this notion of God's grace in our life. Um, and it's a, it's a hopeful message when we, when we get serious about this idea that um, God's love is available to us and it doesn't matter who we are or what we've done or who, we'll, who we will become or, um, or what journey we're on. There's nothing that can separate us uh, from God's love. Mm-hmm. And there's a heft to it as well, right. which is another thing that I um, was really drawn to about this song is that there's a, like we do a lot, I tend to be drawn to this kind of thing with a sort of drone quality to it. There's this intense right. um, well, undergirding. Well, didn't you have a, what, did, what instrument did. was that? Yeah, so um, the Shruti box, uh, which the is. Shruti box. Shruti, yes. How it's do you spell that? S-H-R-U-T-I. Um, it is, it started out as, um, from an Indian, you know, culture, um, but actually it's been pretty well adapted and they are mostly made, uh, and shipped from the UK now. So, um, uh, but it's a really cool drone instrument. You can, you can choose the notes and then it works on a bellows system. Um, so like an organ or a Mm -hmm. accordion, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you use the bellows to create that sound, but it's a very undergirding sound that never gives up <laughs> you know as long as the air is pumping through the bellows there it's making noise, it's making noise. Yeah. and that is musically symbolic um of the song and of this beginning of our um worship series yeah is I, you know as as the story in scripture that we talked about um regardless of what society has done to you or what you were born with or anything like that there is this bellows drone of love um just you know, pushing air into our lives, pushing the Holy Spirit right. through our lives. I mean, the lyrics are, I have waited long, but never given up. I've waited on you, but never on love. Right. That's just, yeah, it's really good stuff. And uh, especially with using the text in Acts, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, um, I think it's a really powerful mm-hmm. um, 
I don't know. It was a powerful piece in the midst of that story and in the midst of the worship series as we really talk about how we as a church are going to respond to the movement mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And two, um, so our first scripture was from Isaiah, which she, uh, which Christina referenced in her sermon. But um, the I just kind of realized this, that it's important for us, even if we're not focusing on it as a theme, that's something that we do a lot in worship. Um, and if you're listening, you know, I encourage you to kind of just open your open your mind and see if you notice this over the next several weeks, is um, we, we look at scriptures that seem to contradict other scriptures, and we look at them on right. purpose, right? Because well, in absolutely. Deuteronomy, uh, it says eunuchs are not allowed to go into the temple. And then we read Isaiah 56, and it says, I will make, you know, the outcast and the foreigner and the eunuch, like, wonderful blooming trees with more descendants than right. anybody could count because I love them. Right. Um, and just being open to the Bible um, interpreting itself, you know, and us coming along for the ride sometimes. Yeah, I think that the, that's the challenge of Scripture. Like what I like to say, um, and I think we say it a lot, we take the Bible seriously, but we don't take it literally. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, if you spend a lot enough time in Scripture, you will find these real spaces of tension between what the text the text seems to say two very different things and and i think it's it takes some work because we so quickly want to just interpret all of scripture through jesus and i think that as people of faith who follow jesus that makes a lot of sense but we have to do it in a way that's um respectful and authentic to actually what the text is saying Mm -hmm. um but here Right. In the eunuch story, uh, Philip believes, right, that Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. Right. And it's that introduction uh, for the eunuch that Jesus is the one who provides a space and a welcome and um, belonging um, and a new identity into a new family mm-hmm. that is just so powerful in the book of Acts that it's impossible to read that story and not interpret a lot of scripture. Right. Right. I, mean, You know, we're talking about Levitical law. We're talking about laws in, in Deuteronomy. We're even, I think you could put that piece of scripture up against some of the stuff that Paul has said around homosexuality and how the church has used those mm-hmm. uh, scriptures to really prevent people from coming. I think the story of the eunuch is the best example of why the church needs to move towards full inclusion mm-hmm. because it's about identity and it's about belonging and uh, the eunuch remains a eunuch. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. returns home. Yeah. And chances are becomes the best ambassador for the gospel that we see uh, in mm. the book of Acts. Yeah. Again, it's that, you know, that holy imagination. What can we imagine about the rest of his life after that, um, after that encounter? Yeah. Plus, you get some like time travel. I mean, doesn't Philip disappear and just appear on another road at some other point? That is crazy to Snatched me. is how yeah. the uh, in RSV <laughs> puts it. We actually talked about that a lot in the pastor's Bible study, how dramatic and kind of abrasive that word is yeah. in the text. But yes, uh, God snatched Philip away. Good gracious. Yeah. So we continue this series uh, for the next couple of weeks. Um, and we'll talk about really why we need to change mm. uh, this Sunday. And then uh, on Sunday night, we'll take our wedding policy vote and... Um, we will continue to discern where the Holy Spirit is moving and how we as a church can remain faithful to the work that God's called us to. Sounds good. Yeah. See you in a few days. All right. Take care.
You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.